Welcome to Creative Welly, episode 9. Can you believe that? Episode 9. Courageous Conversations with Bold Humans. My name is DK. I'm the guy who came up with this idea for all my sins. Having a great time, though. This video podcast is produced by John O'Tucker over at Empire Films. This is the audio version of the video podcast. Check out the video. Much better. But anyway, enjoy the audio. And we are hosted by Alex Matthews over at X Equals. In this episode, we're talking to two amazing humans again. We have Tom Probert. He's the head of marketing and innovation at PowerShop, an energy supplier here in New Zealand. Also, we're speaking to Janelle, or Jay as we know her, Fenwick, founder of Tulo, the CPT education platform, who serves the architectural design and construction industry. We get into it in this one, having lots of fun talking about architecture, brand, creativity, culture, design, leadership, marketing, overseas strategy, team building, startups, and so on and so forth. Enjoy. How are we all feeling today? Mm. Good. Yeah, yeah, actually quite energetic this morning. The sun came out and walked along the waterfront and was like, oh, okay, yeah. yeah. School holidays are here. Yay. Yeah. So good. And what's your big excitement pieces for the week? Mine's being in Wellington. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Because yep. you love it. Change of scene, definitely. Mm. Why yeah. do you like Wellington so much? Um, yeah, good question. I've got a good bunch of friends that live here. and Yeah, mm. it's a great city and it's very arty and a bit quirky and mm. kind of anything goes in Wellington, which I like, yeah. That's cool. Mm. What about you, Tom? What's your big thing this week? Uh, my dad's staying with us at the moment, which is really nice. And just seeing him kind of interact with my daughter and mm. spend some nice family time together is really nice. Uh, he's here for a few more days, so That's spent cool. the weekend hanging out and trying not to get blown away in gales down the <laughs> parade. But um, no, it's good. That, that's the big excitement, I think. That's yeah, I can imagine. Front, definitely. Yeah. Where's he usually? Uh, Dunedin. So that's my Okay, we're yeah, yep. Okay. So mum and dad are down there, and mm. he's come up to help us with a few things around the house and garden actually <laughs> yeah handy. put him to work proper dad right yeah it's yeah. like come up i'll do stuff yeah i'll fix that i'll knock that in so nice so, uh, yeah it's nice yeah yeah so uh, let's get back to kind of i love to talk about what you guys are up to at the moment professionally but also personally and why you do what you do mm. and um i'll start with you tom just because we've already started in terms of we know each other through PowerShop, mm-hmm. but then you've bounced around a few times, but also you, you were based for a long time in the UK. So at the moment, love to hear what you're up to, especially because you've got a kind of a half new role for the last six months or so. Mm. Yeah, tell us what you're Yeah, so I, I've been back at PowerShop since almost a year now, actually, which is ridiculous when you think about it. It's been pretty quick. Um, yeah. It was re- like the time's raced by. But So I head up marketing and innovation there now. So look after the marketing team. The, the innovation part's really about, um, I guess we've been really good at speed to market for a whole lot of um, different customer propositions and things, but we never really codified that. And so actually it's looking at how do we get a bit more structured about that and embed that skill set in more than just a few people that we historically always relied on to say, hey, we need something out quick, let's do this in two or three weeks. Mm. Um, and then looking, because we're part of a broader Meridian group, how do we start to influence and embed that uh, to drive broader change, I think, is probably the mm. simplest way to... Uh, and that's been a big change for you in the last couple of years as well, how Meridian and PowerShop play together, right? Do you know about this? How they kind of work together and how they came about? Not really. Cool. Do you want to... Yeah. So, so, so historically, PowerShop spun out of Meridian um, okay. 11 years ago, 12 years ago. Mm. Um, by a guy called Ari Sargent, a really smart guy that uh, has just um, left this amazing platform and kind of brand for us to 
caretake and try and evolve. Yeah, um, and so really privileged to, to be in that place. So we've, so we've always been owned by Meridian. Um, mm. And in recent years, we've, so in the last year, we've moved into the same Queen's Wharf building. So um, it, it, it creates that nice kind of cultural tension as well to just be the agitator on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so we're frenemies, I guess, is a good way to explain it in a retail <laughs> sense. Yes. Both competing for retail customers. Well, that's yeah, the odd thing. You're both, weird. you know, yeah. serving the same market, but in a different way because you're both very different brands. If you mm. think about Polish Shop and Meridian, yep. they have very yeah. different essences to them. Yeah, most and definitely. And I think that's just, I mean, there's more than 40 retail brands in the New Zealand market now. So, okay. um, right. pretty competitive place. So, actually, our mm. evolution at a group level is to how do we deploy smarter across both and mm. work a bit smarter together rather than just going head to head. And how would you do that? Uh, well, with common shared <laughs> of insight, with yeah. like common vision and goals, yeah. and, and make sure that actually uh, there's a shared understanding of what good could look like collectively, because it's mm. it's nice. that sense of going well, yeah, we we, we do have shared challenges, um, but also there are things that need to maintain distinctiveness for the benefit of customers, for the benefit of employees as well, yeah. mm. um, and well, we won't get it all right. Like there'll be things that we'll learn along the way, but we're on that journey, and it's. Mm. Seems to be working pretty well at the moment. Yeah. yeah, I'm fascinated by the brand there and the culture, the internal brand, and the mm. internal culture play. Because, you know, from what we've had discussions about PowerShop and how vibrant, and even just looking at it as a product as mm. well, it's got quite a vibrant and young Youthful, essence yeah. to it. Um, and you've been part of that process, and then I know you took some time out, and then you went back in, and then they became part of Meridian. But I know you have a big essence on people building culture through people that you hire and, and stuff like that. And yeah, definitely, because that, I mean, that's ultimately where the brand lives and dies, right? Yeah. It's like mm. within how we front up and how we mm. feel about it and and the people that we bring in also making sure that they they buy into that because ultimately you've then got a chance at least of distinctiveness in the market, mm. but what it should end up being is a better outcome for customers in terms of speed to market, better propositions, yeah. kind of a real relentless focus on enhancing what we front up with. Yeah. Yeah. But even the language, yeah. you know, from PowerShop and I know some of the people you hired because I've worked with them in the past and they're good people, but yeah, they have this kind of uh, hunger to them to try mm. something uh, Well, and, and I right think we've talked quite a bit around mm. the difference between having resources and being resourceful and actually uh, yeah. hiring people that are resourceful and can figure it out with without having loads of money mm. has been awesome because then it yeah. forces you to think differently. And that's always excited me as well because then mm. you, you, you f yeah. kind of try and stack the odds against yourself a little bit, either by limited time or money or whatever it might be, mm. and then go, okay, how do I think about this differently to come up with a better outcome? Mm. And that, I mean, that's why I've partly why I've stayed in it. I agree. And this, mm. this is a brilliant time to bring you in. Because of that resources versus resourceful, resourcefulness. Yeah, what you said. Mm. As a startup, you're in startup mode still. And you have to be yeah. resourceful. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Chulo, what you've been doing with that in the last couple of years. Just a small um, little thing you've been doing. Just a small little thing. Um, what do you want to know? Where do you want me to start? <laughs> so tell me about it. I know about it. Mm. But I know Tom would love yeah. to hear about it and everybody else listening. Okay, so I've been in the world of architecture and design for the past sort of 15 years, working in the technology space and kind of creating technology platforms that um, assist architects in being able to 
specify and um, create you know buildings a lot easier and I guess over my time doing that I saw a little gap in the market where architects what they tend to do is obviously come up with a, a design and work through different products that they need for a build and then they tend to specify those products but the part in between is the education piece so educating themselves about the, the best products to use. So that's where Chulo comes into play. So it's all about um, the education piece and learning more about products so that they can then specify them on a build. Yeah. And where are you on our journey? What does Chulo look like <laughs> now so that people know what it is, but also what will it look like in five years? Oh my goodness. Five I years. know. I can't predict <laughs> what it's going to look what like. What would you like it to look like in five years? What is it now? Okay, so at the what moment we're a yeah. New Zealand-based startup and we're focusing on the New Zealand architecture market and the Australian market. And every New Zealand architect and architectural designer have to earn CPD points, continuing professional development points, to keep their license. Mm. So what we're doing is curating a lot of content that they can access online to then gain their points online. And um, you know it's quite timely at the moment, obviously with COVID, so they can no longer go to lots of live events to gain these points, so they have to be able to look at other ways to get them. And so that's what it is at the moment. It's a platform for them to be able to access content like podcasts, live events, and um, pre-recorded events, gain those points. And then in five years' time, global, I guess, move into like um, Europe and the US and tackle that market as well. Have you got synergies with those markets in terms of I guess the education or learning needs or? Yeah, so it, worldwide CPD is pretty standard. Mm -hmm. um, so our Trilo talks that we do on a regular basis that actually DK is the MC for, um, we have a lot of US presenters who are architects and designers that come and they talk and then obviously the New Zealand architects and Australian architects um, tune in and listen to them present. So that's a nice synergy and segue into the US market. And they, you know, the, those architects that present also need to gain continuing professional development points. Yeah. But there was something big I saw this morning. Oh, right. <laughs> which ties into that question. Yeah. Because you're right, the, like that educational not only needs, but then your accreditation. Mm -hmm providers or services, I don't even know what you say, the, the governance yeah. of how you get your points are all run by different national agencies or Correct. national like industry bodies. Thank yeah. you, industry bodies. Yeah. And this morning, I saw something which is cool. Yeah, because you asked me about this like, not that long ago, right? Uh, yeah. Well, the AIA. Yeah, the AIA. So we are now um, continuing educational providers for the American Institute of Architects. So we are uh, yeah, no providers thing. for... No, it's quite That's exciting. Massive. Yeah, it's good. How many it's architects really in America? Uh, only 150-something thousand, yep. How many architects in Australia? Um, about 11,000. So that you access to market... You're going to ask me how many is in New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Two and a half thousand, roughly. There we go, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So, so yeah. access to that market is so important in terms of then getting the accreditation. Yes. Um, yeah. or, or the industry body saying, yes, this this... If you come to these things, we can now give you those points, which Correct. goes towards your continuing crediting mark. Yeah, absolutely. It's a mad system. Yeah. When and you introduced got... me to it a couple of years ago, well, about a year ago, yeah. I was like, wow, okay, you're doing this, and yeah. it sounds cool. 
it's really hard to get, um, it's really hard to become a provider of these, you know, um, these What have you got to go through? Bodies. What's the... It's quite a long application process and I've been doing it for the last two years, but what I did is I prepared myself pretty much over the last three years that this is what I wanted to do. So I approached the NZIA, which is the New Zealand Institute of Architects, mm. went, ran through that process and that was the first one I wanted to tackle because then I could just do the New Zealand market first and then the architectural designers in New Zealand. Gotcha. So that loops the New Zealand completely. Uh -huh. And then obviously Australia is in, you know, next segue. So I went through a process with them and I've got partnership with them. Mm. And then also with the UK, so CPD Standards Global. So I went through their process and got that with them and then just completed the American Institute of Architects one. So I wanted to kind of roll them mm. out, you know, in a sort of timely fashion. So it just goes boom, 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 boom. And everyone knows now that we're a global company so well. as opposed to just a New Zealand company. Yeah. And it's just started. In yeah. terms of how long yeah. have you been online? You know the answer to that. You I know, know, but other people <laughs> oh, don't. No, don't. <laughs> nah, it's um, since August. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So new, yeah, that's my whole exciting. point. And you've done so yeah. much. It's that classic case of, you know, an overnight success. It took 10 years. <laughs> the amount of time it's been just to get to this point of pressing yeah. go. Oh, yeah. And it's only been live in a sense just over a month, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But we've done 50 events in like the space of three months. There's notion flow events and the Chulo talks that we've yeah. been doing. Yeah. So we've been, you know, busy working in the background creating a lot of content so that when we push it live, mm. you know, the architects can log on there and there's a, mm. a bucket load of stuff mm. they can access and they can basically get their points from one place, which will really annoy a lot of um, people. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> Why will it, I think that's called, was it disrupting the market? Yeah. Well, why will it upset people? Is it because other people want only to go through one route? Yeah, well, there's a lot of companies that do live events that are oh, okay. CPD accredited. Mm. Um, and obviously, unfortunately, their businesses have been affected this yeah. year by that. There's no, you know, live events, there's no demand for it at the moment, unfortunately. I mean, obviously, it would be nice to have some live events, but mm. yeah, so we've sort of, you know, done well in that space, that online space. Mm. So what's the set of a Trulo in terms of who, who it, it's your baby, but it's also other people's involved in it, yeah? In terms of mm. like helping you out and stuff like that? Yeah, well, you've got to surround yourself with good people, right? That's the key mm. to success, especially with startups. So, obviously, um, I've been quite fortunate to meet some really great people like yourself and uh, Lewis, who's our tech guru. Mm. And um, then I've got a lovely copywriter called Bex, who I work with as well, and then my awesome designer, Emma. And they're all, you know, contractors, but um, they've sort of taken it on board as their, their own as well. Mm. And it really comes through, I think. Definitely. It's yeah. mm. yeah. a lovely. Yeah. And then, of course, Chatty, my developer. Well, he wouldn't like me to call him a developer. He would, what's it? The like, right word is um, Chief Technical Officer. Is that right? Of course. Um, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. CTO? Yeah, CTO. That's the one. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant what you've built in such a short <laughs> time and in the time that I've known you. Uh, but I know it's yeah. like been a, a longer period of time to build that up. Yeah. Um, and we had Thomas here last week, as you know. Mm. Pro Climber, and they're part of it as well, in a sense, yeah. So. Yeah, Thomas has been, um, yeah, very supportive of me and my dream. So yeah, he was the first one I spoke to about it, whether it, you know, it was a good idea or not. Yeah. Mm. So. Just in the market. Yeah. He'd be a good person. 
Yeah, definitely. So why did you decide to do this? Not only just like finding a gap in the market, but it's hard to do startups. What's given you that energy to do it, to pursue it? Um, good question. So I worked for a startup uh, called Product Spec for 15 years, and I was basically, um, along with my CTO Chad, he, him and I were part of the company from basically the get-go. So we saw that evolve and develop and were part of that ride and that journey. And I find it really exciting. Um, you know, some weeks you want to get paid and then next week you want to get paid. It's like a bit of a roller coaster, but um, yeah. I like that. And I like high pressure situations as well. I like a lot of stress and then, yeah, yeah, to be really busy. Weirdo. Yeah. In a good way. Total weirdo, yeah. Well, it sense that that mentality is kind of, I think, the, the conversations we've had, Tom, and the stuff that I've seen you do is very similar to like a startup mentality yeah. and always thinking about that disruption and our language around kind of yeah, trying cool. things that are a little bit different. Oh, I think mine's a, just an impatience with <laughs> the norm, probably, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and just, uh, I'm, I think probably at heart I'm quite inquisitive and I'm like, okay, well, what if you could do this? within yeah. an existing construct, what would that have to look like, what would you need to believe, or what roles would you rip up? So, That's cool. And that, that's where I feel really fulfilled at the moment, because the environment okay. that I work in allows me to do that. Within, that's so good, eh? Within the safety of mm. the corporate, so to speak. So, um, yeah, that's great. Mm. But you came from, a, a, also, you've done your time, though, in the UK. In just, yeah, and mm. big, so I had an organisation of mm. 35,000 people in British Gas that uh, was Quite 200, 200 years old. As well, so, yeah. yeah, so I spent um, six years in London, five of those with, with British Gas, um, which was, I, I was really fulfilling and I had some actually, just some amazing um, managers there that really supported okay. me. Or I, I think I still reflect a lot on um, what I learned from a number of the leaders within British Gas actually. Mm. Uh, business that well, Centrica at a broader group level faces a lot of challenges just um, in the UK market and regulation within the energy market. Um, but from a, both from a marketing sense and a leadership sense, I was just exposed to some really great individuals that forced me to think about why I should lead people and what right mm-hmm. I had to lead and, and mm. things like hard questions that if you're in autopilot, you probably don't ask of yourself. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so, and I think the other thing working in an organisation of that scale is just figuring out how to navigate your way through the place to mm. get things completed or who not to tell sometimes <laughs> if you want to get something completed. Of course, yeah. Um, so kind of picking, not your battles because it sounds like it was always a battle, it wasn't, but um, just understand how to, the most effective way to, to get stuff out the door. And that was a marketing role. Yeah, I in, I've, I've started in a product development role there okay. in, in oh, the wow. energy sense. So um, they had um, Sainsbury's Energy as a brand and had kind of always just taken a British gas tariff and slapped a Sainsbury's Energy logo on it. And so <laughs> okay. worked with the team to go, well, actually, if that worked in a retail environment, what would that mm-hmm. actually look like? Which is how mm-hmm. I got talking to PowerShop in the very first place, actually, because oh, I'd gone oh, to British hey. gas and said, hey, you want to behave like a retail brand? have a look at this. Mm. There's some people in New Zealand doing a pretty, some pretty cool stuff. That's, That's the connection awesome. you made. That's yeah. cool. Mm. Yeah, and then so I did two years in that, and then I spent three years. I ran marketing for one of their subsidiaries called Dino, which is a really sexy industry in plumbing and drains. Um, <laughs> and, and, I love it. Yeah, and I, I, similarly, I, I kind of, I went into that, one, because I wanted to go back into a pure marketing role, uh-huh. two, because it allowed me to really shape a team, <clears> but three, 
you really felt like the underdog. Like, how do you make people care about plumbing and drains, right? It's, <laughs> it's on the face value, it seems really unsexy. Mm -hmm. And what I hadn't appreciated was it was a franchise model, and I loved working with franchisees. I loved it because wow. their mortgage is on the line, right? It's mm. every day. Oh, okay, so yeah. you can talk to them about, in a corporate, around softer metrics and things like that, but it doesn't matter. Like, they want to mm. know how am I going to pay the bills next week? Yeah. And so the getting really into the like cut and thrust of the day-to-day -day with them when you mm. there is pressure and you mm. and mm. you can see it in their eyes you need to look them in the whites of the eyes and go yep trust me i'm going to deliver this for you oh, um yeah, yeah I, I loved it i loved it <laughs> yeah okay um, so cool. talking about the leadership side you also did some stuff uh, like academies and things and the uk as well in and the uk yeah leadership so, development so I, I was on a program called the um it's called the marketing academy that's right, yeah. And that's uh, really an amazing, amazing experience. So basically, it's a not-for-profit. They take 30, what they see as sort of like the up-and-comers of marketing leadership within the UK each year, mm -hmm. and they just supercharge the leadership program that they put around them. So you spend faculty days with all the big Googles and, and um, Facebooks and people of the world. Mm -hmm. um, you get a different mentor each month, so meet a senior marketing leader. Um, wow. You wow. got given a coach. Um, but I think one of the amazing things I got out of that as well is you were asked to give a mm. pro bono day, um, one day to a charity. Um, oh. And I teamed up with a, a charity in the UK called Alive and Kicking, mm -hmm. um, which basically takes underprivileged people in Kenya, Ghana and Zambia, um, teaches them how to hand make footballs out of naturally sourced, like locally sourced oh, yeah, leather that's so cool. um, and then all of the profits that they make from that go back into um, education against mm. AIDS and malaria mm. and I met them and was like I'm not spending a day with you like this is awesome like I'm all in like, mm. so I worked with them for just on a pro bono basis for the best part of three years with a mate that's a designer and totally so rebranded cool. them rebuilt the website designed a whole new set of balls like oh, wow. and now I don't actually have that much to do with them now but mm -hmm. being the CEO is doing amazing stuff I just keep an eye on and I'm like yeah. oh good man like it's really exciting to see it develop and so what do you learn from that that you now apply elsewhere uh, I guess one of the things actually in that space was I knew I really loved doing that but I, I, I probably realized I didn't want to work in the charity sector as my full-time job mm. right okay. um, but in a commercial environment I missed that really hard commercial edge of the cut and thrust where it's like, yeah. right, here's the scrutiny that you're going to be under today mm. uh, in terms of customer numbers or whatever else it might be. Um, but I think actually that more than anything, we won some awards for the work that we had done on the rebrand and that was just a confidence thing. I was like, yeah. oh man, okay, I can do this. Yeah. I think a lot of leadership is about that, that confidence, that validation that you yeah. get through experience and then taking that forward not in an arrogant way, but going, okay, here's some things I've learned and I can help you with that based on this. Mm. The, the other thing, um, really? this will be dear to your heart, that it's kind of, that I, I probably underestimated with that was just the power of the story. Once mm. I started telling people what I was trying to support the organisation to do, everyone yeah. wanted to get involved. Yeah. And so then you said this groundswell of support, built mm. this big virtual team around us, it was like, okay, now we can be even bolder and more ambitious with what, what we wanted to do and some big partnerships and things. And yeah. oh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. That's become yeah. cliched now, that power of the story stuff, but it's so blinking important right, <laughs> to understand how to get to the essence of moving people into action. It is the story well, you, well, you, you Because you don't connect emotionally otherwise, right? It's mm. just too rational and they're like, oh, yep, nice, move on, next. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you um, differentiate yourself between the other 
power retail brands then here in New Zealand? Because oh. that's such a competitive market. Yeah, it is. Um, so how do you tell your story? So, well, so one, our our model's more involved, so we ask more of the yeah. customer base. So our, our point of difference is about built around engagement, and then that engagement leads to a high level of education in terms of what I'm consuming as my power, yeah. therefore a greater sense of control. Because if you think historically, mm. I got a bill at the end of the month, didn't really know if it was yeah. um, true or not, and just paid it. And so it's a really kind of functional relationship. So, so then when you think about engagement, we've tried to build that engagement into depth of everything we do, even our advertising. So what yeah. does interactive out of home look like? So we've allowed people to um, use stickers to change the nature of our advertising over a period of time. Just yeah. like being a lot more playful in that space because cool. it's all very well saying, oh, we're different, but then buying exactly the same media as every other mm. retail brand. Well, then you're not really. Yeah. Um, so we challenge ourselves a lot to try and unpick that. And then I guess the other thing um, is that we've just been blessed in terms of the service levels that we've provided because of yes. that high level of engagement. Um, built a team of over 100 in Masterton now that have exceptional oh, wow. service levels. And yeah. I think that breeds confidence in everyone else in the business because you're like, yeah, I know customers are going to get a really good experience. So yeah. I'm going to be more confident in talking about it. I'm going to take a few more risks in terms of what I'm willing to say or where I'm willing to say it, mm. um, which has probably oh. been part of the secret sauce, I think, over time. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm interested as well in, in the story that you tell people to attract talent mm. because you've been quite good at attracting talent in the last couple of years and um, just looking at who you have on your staff, right? <laughs> and knowing some of them, they're really good people. Yeah. And they not just come in for a few months and then leave or a year and leave, they stay as well. So there's something to be said about that. Yeah, we're actually in a fascinating transition too because the team's been together mm. now for a good three years. And mm. so we've just, uh, because of parental leave, because of um, team growing, we've got new energy coming in and mm. we've actually got a time on Wednesday to sit down as a group and go, okay, what are, what are we now going to be famous for? Because <laughs> there's that healthy evolution, but also for the people that have been there for a while, I need to find new opportunity for them and, and for myself as well to move on and give them mm. room to move and move up. Um, mm. And so it is that interesting transition to go, okay, look, we've, we've had some great success and that is because of the continuity of the group. Mm. What's the next stretch going to look like and what? Collectively, will we hold ourselves to account yeah. in that space? You've done well curating the good bodies that you've done there. <laughs> you've you got there. Because mm. it is. It's a, oh, it's a and good I think also I probably got the bit between my teeth because when I first came back to Wellington, mm. a lot of people were like, oh, there's no good marketing people in Wellington. <laughs> and I was like, okay. bollocks. Like, I guarantee, really? <laughs> yeah, I guarantee it, there are. There's world class people in Wellington. Yeah. Um, we just, you just got to find them. Mm. Uh, and so, went looking and then also you, you you get to that point where you need to find that healthy mix of hiring for potential versus because actually that's where we've like I know I got put in my job in the first place if I uh, people took punts on me in my career yeah. Um, yeah. and so I'm a firm believer in that and then mm. from supporting growth from within mm. um, so yeah. th that's the kind of balance is how do we keep promoting from within, but mm. then bring in new energy? And they don't have to be the finished article, definitely not. But it's mm -hmm. like going, okay, 
Because we, we don't know what yeah. we don't know, right? Like, it's a thing. Yeah, like, but so many people don't think like that in terms of the hiring and firing true. process, in terms of just investing to grow. Mm. They kind of, I need someone to do the job, that's all I'm interested in, rather than looking for someone to grow with us and develop. And Yeah, I need someone to do that bit of a job, but there's other things that I don't know that they can do. And I, th I think the thing for us is to, like, who's to say what we're doing now is right? Like, and yeah. because okay. it's, it's, the market's evolving so quickly, competitive market we've already talked about, but mm. marketing as a uh, kind of um, industry as well is evolving, yeah. so it's like, well, you, you can't be fixed in your ways around the function, mm. otherwise you're outdated. Yeah, very true. Mm. Talking about curation, mm. coming back to you, um, one of the big, <laughs> you, sorry, that is, but, mm. but curation is an interesting uh, perspective because I think it is a skill, curating, not just stories, but people, and curation of the Tulo Talks, big fan of. <laughs> so the Tulo Talks have about five or six people every every online event and the last one we did was last week yeah, yes it was. <laughs> last one um so jay got me involved as the mc and what's magic is i just get to listen introduce set up <laughs> and just sit back and listen it's to these fantastic. amazing talent from all around the world and these are like design and architectural leaders in their own space and i've learned so much i even know what parametric design now is and biophilia. <laughs> I know, right? And computational design, all these things. But I was just going to try and celebrate you from a perspective of curating humans and finding talent is not an easy thing to do. Just, not just for hiring, but also yeah, for finding. And, yeah. I love to hear about your process and kind of how you go about, yeah. Do you really? have a process? <laughs> um. <laughs> now it's going to be revealed. Scroll through the Instagram now. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it, right? Um, oh yeah, definitely as part of it for the imagery aspect. Um, but no, I've been uh, interested in architecture design my whole life. Mm. Art, you know, I've been a painter. I paint abstract paintings. I uh, haven't done that for a while though. I've mm. always had something arty on the go. And for me, Chulo's kind of, you know, that's the that's the ultimate okay. for me. So. Um, yeah, just always been curious about architecture and design and, and sourcing kind of weird and wonderful people out. Not your standard, um, you know, corporate architecture mm. firms, more diving a little bit deeper and trying to find people that are doing really weird shit, basically. Yeah. So what's the cutting edge stuff <laughs> at the moment if, if oh, we didn't, and I still don't know that much about it. So. I like get introduce these people, they're talking about stuff, and yeah. I come in going, that's amazing, wow, cool, and I haven't got a clue what they said. Um, but what is, if for layman people in the architectural and design space, yeah. what is the cutting edge stuff going on? Um, uh, technology plays a massive part, you know, um, and it's evolved so much over the years, and I think that um, what's really exciting is 3D fabrication and being able to, you know, we can build houses now. Um, by 3D printing, which is unreal. And one lady we had on, um, Virginia Sanfratello mm -hmm. from Emerging Objects, she was incredible and she was making structures that were, um, it was made out of actual mushrooms and different things at ADK. It was just the stuff that you just, how do you even come up with that? Trippy. Yeah, that's exactly right. In a good Trippy. way. Yeah, in a good way. But where do you find these people? So, um, What's great about 
the architecture and design world is once you know a few people in that space, you can tap into their, you know, their network. Right, yeah. So um, in my past job at Product Spec and Smart Spec, I used to curate this event called Paradigm Shift. And I used to actually bring um, international architects out to New Zealand and they would do a talk and we'd travel around the country to five centres and, you know, mm. they would be the star of the show. And so I've met a lot of people through that and they're basically from the USA or from Europe. And we, you know, brought them out. And then one of those um, people was this guy called Alvin Huang. And he was at our first Chulo Talks that we did. And basically, I've tapped into a few of his networks. And once I got them on board for Chulo Talks, I always asked them who would they like to have, you know, to see on Chulo Talks. And it's sort of just a snowball effect. So it's all about referrals and just talking and asking. Yeah. Asking those presenters for referrals. Yeah. Yeah. And I do scroll the Instagram and I do I do read everything and anything to do with architecture and design. Yeah. It is quite impressive what we've got. And I think something else that um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on is when I, I do, I've recently started doing some podcasts as well for the platform. Mm-hmm. And I got to introduce this guy called Perry. Uh, Perry Culpla. Culpla. Culpa. Thank you. Culpa. And again, don't know him, but what a, a lovely... Gorgeous soul, based in the US, talking about some of the stuff. He's a teacher, sorry, a professor, and teaching architectural design and does his own stuff as well. But he framed the idea of the industry and the sector as being a generous one. Very. And uh, just straight away, just framing it like that. And since he said that, I've reflected on so much of what you do, mm-hmm. but also the people that get involved in the Tulo events. Oh, yeah. They are so generous of spirit. These are practitioners who are on the bleeding edge in other industries would be very protective, mm. you know, because this is their stuff, right? Yeah. Whereas they're like, I'm trying this. What mm-hmm. do you think, world? Oh, I'd just give this a go. Where someone could literally come in and play around. But it's just so generous. Is, very you, generous. Yeah, do you yeah. feel that? Do you, Oh, absolutely, and these people give their time freely because mm. you've got to remember. Obviously, we're in one time zone here in New Zealand, and these guys are all over the world that come to present at Trulo Talk. So we have yeah, typically five presenters each show, and all of them are based overseas. Mm. Um, so we had last time we had someone from Dubai, we had mm. <clears throat> someone from the UK, we had someone, two people from the US, but on different sides of the US. So. You know, some of them are talking at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you know, 5 a.m. in the morning, their mm. time, and they give their time freely because they are so passionate about education and mm. passing it on and giving, you know, what's it, pay it forward mm. to people in the architecture and design space, yeah. But I think that's something to be pulled out and to celebrate a little bit because in other sectors you don't get that. Mm. I don't see it as readily no. as I do in the, the architectural and design space. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about marketing space and industry at the moment. Because um, it used to be quite a cut and thrust. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've never experienced people putting the blockers up and going, no. Okay. No. Like, um, and I mean, I still maintain a really healthy network of people in the UK. Mm. So even via WhatsApp group of just through, cool. through the marketing academy, actually, and just if I've got a question or something I've been pondering throw it out there okay. to mm, 29 cool. pretty smart minds and go, what do you think? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're really generous with time and thoughts mm. and things. So um, I, I don't know. I think it's that I'm biased. I'm far more off to just be generous and naturally yeah. what comes around goes around. Maybe that's a Kiwi thing as well, though. 
I think that we had heaps like that in New Zealand, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Quite open. But yeah, I mean, well, you say the people that I have at mm. my events, they're, they're not, most of them are not Kiwis. <laughs> and they are very yeah. generous and, and, yeah, give their time. Yeah. yeah. So. What are, what are a couple of things that you've seen, maybe featured in Tulo or something different, that would really kind of um, really frame the future of kind of architectural design? <laughs> That's I know, no small fact. These are coming off top of my head. Right. I haven't written anything on <laughs> Oh gosh, I, I, yeah, I don't know how long is a piece of string. I can't answer that right. question. Yeah. Because I'm really uh, amazed by some of the, the geeky stuff that is going on in architecture. Because architectural yeah. design is straight away nerdy from a perspective. Yeah. You need to be very clever with mathematics, engineering, so many different fields you need yeah. to understand before you kind of create a on paper a building that you know will work yeah. let alone then start putting it up and translating it into construction and all these other things but nowadays the use of technology is not just in just making that drawing because now you can plug in algorithms yeah. and stuff and it does it for you mm -hmm. to a certain degree yeah. but then right through to we had you know drew talking about uh, this guy talking about um immersive experiential uh, design from a perspective sticking on VR, taking your clients through a design, yeah. Yeah. or from his perspective, I've designed something, I now want to see how long it takes me from, to walk from there to there in VR, mm. because I may feel it's too long. Yeah. yeah that's nice. And it's like, yeah. oh, right, of course you can do that now, rather than yeah. just like on paper. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. That it to really me is. is like... It's amazing. What, um, yeah. how's New Zealand held on a global kind of scale around just architecture and kind of um i think it's like anything we do you know like your power shop and a lot of um new zealand companies we're highly innovative i think we have a long way to go um we we definitely are very curious which is great so you know at our chulo talks we get typically around the 300 400 attendees dialing in and they are all curious about new technologies and innovations but I think no, we've got a lot of great architectural practices here and a lot of um, architecture firms are actually doing a lot of work overseas at the moment that are based here in New Zealand. Okay. So, yeah, um, I think we're is a that, small country, but we've got some incredible people, yeah. Is that part of what you hope with Tulo as well, is mm -hmm. that it will allow some, um, some maturation of the market mm -hmm. here to go out and reach much further Definitely. than just focus yeah. on New Zealand? Yeah, we definitely want to encourage collaboration with, you know, overseas architects. And we've already started that process. Like we had Tom Chung from Les Weinzaffel mm -hmm. and he's working with, um, you know, the team at Abodo. Like they, they did a okay. podcast with him and they, Abodo have just launched in the US um, with their timber product, which is amazing. Tell us where Abodo is, because this is a cool story. So Abodo Wood is um, a wood manufacturing company from New Zealand. But Daniel, the owner, has always had this global vision from day one. So he's got a great sort of niche here in New Zealand, but he's also just branched out into the UK and to the US. Um, yeah, so. But why is their wood so good? <laughs> that should so be good? the phrase. <laughs> why is your wood so good? <laughs> Sorry, marketing. Aesthetically beautiful, but also functional. So um, mm. it, they have this new thermally modified uh, wood product, which is, is quite, um, yeah quite new to the market and um, helps with thermal insulation and protection of a build. Um, 
yeah, I mean, wood is becoming more and more popular because yeah. of, you know, carbon emissions and things like that. And, yeah. yeah, Daniel's very big on that whole cradle-to-cradle kind of approach. Which is so good. economy, you know. Yeah. But that's the point. Yeah. We have products here from a construction and design perspective that are leading the way, Oh, right? absolutely, yeah. That is yeah. now really And you don't looking. really know if those companies kind of sit under the radar a yeah. bit, you know. Again, that Kiwi but, attitude of... Yeah. Oh, no, that's why I asked the question, because I mm. was like... My assumption being like, yeah, we would have been leading the way on things, but with no yeah. data points, I'd be like, oh, we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> and we're such yeah. a small market, yeah, you know, for anything. But, mm. uh, again, talking about some of the people I've had here, like Jed Finch, mm. um, yeah, totally. who spoke with Ted Wellington, who pumped into him, um, and also Thomas as well, talking mm. about the sustainable kind of design of our houses and how it's not, by the way, and how mm. bad we are at building homes. Yeah, you know, definitely. Uh, yeah. For our health and things. Yeah. So we're also leading the way in how shit we are in yeah. the world of building good quality, healthy homes. Oh, we do. Which is are. so yeah. odd because we have everything here to not do that mm. from an architectural and oh, design literacy perspective. It's, yeah, it's just the the architects, the designers, the manufacturers and the builders, and then obviously the government have to all work together and pull together to create um, that healthy home. And I think that a lot of things that we do here are done in silo and not necessarily together. That's where it falls short. Yeah. So coming back to the power of the story, and what story do we need to tell to get them in a room together? Or what story should we be telling mm. to ignite that collaboration? Is yeah, there a story? It's already starting, I think. Um, yeah. You know, with people like Thomas from Proclimber, who's, mm. you know, pro, um, you know, healthy homes and, and mm. encouraging the government and the building code and, and New Zealand Green Building Council, lots of things are changing mm. in that space. But yeah, it's just pushing more at the government because they're the ones that control like, the building code. And yeah, the building code here is down here, whereas Australia is up here, and then up here is, Germ you know, Germany. Yeah, we're right down the bottom. It's so odd. Yeah. Yeah. When I arrived here, I was like, you know, I've said this a couple of times, but where's the double glazing, central mm. heating, insulation? Oh. Otherwise, this would be the best place on the planet oh, totally. to live. Yeah. It's just the homes are so terrible here. They're cold, damp. Yeah. Mm. And it's not like we live in, you know, just somewhere Caribbean, mm. you know, so we don't yeah. need that. It does get, and being a Dunedin boy, you know, you know that it gets. <laughs> lived in some college student flats, Stephen. Yeah. I can imagine yeah. wearing you everything. You almost took pride in it. Like, <laughs> yeah. How many jumpers we got on, type thing. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's so scary. The fact that right? it was colder in the kitchen than the fridge, type thing. Yeah. No. And then warmer as you step outside. That's so weird. It's so weird. I'm wrong. Mm. Just think about kids and everything else, and yeah, now you've got kids, right. and yeah, thinking about yeah. that. Um, I'd love to ask you about also uh, just a bit of a side thing, but you okay. built your own home. Oh, yes. Yeah. I did it with my own two hands. You did it. You did. <laughs> dug everything, right? Oh, I did. Totally, yeah. Yeah, and poured the concrete in it. No, I'm just teasing you. Why did you build your own home? Not because it's a dream for everybody, I know, but, yeah. you know. Um, because I, I wanted to design my own home. Mm. I'd always wanted to do that because I was working, like I said before, for a company called Product Spec and Smart Spec. And the two owners of that company were architects. Mm. And um, so I became very passionate about, you know, architecture and design and wanting to eventually design my own home. A very simple home. It's just like a long rectangle. I have my wing, as Zach has his wing, and then we have 
<clears throat> the party in the middle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the concrete pad where we can have the dance floor and everything. You know, Brilliant. And then both sides open out glass on both sides, so out to the patio and overlooking a lake. But um, yeah, I just always wanted to design my own home, so that's the reason why. That's so cool. Yeah. Did you kind of feel like you had a head start though with all the products you could tap into yes, and the, definitely. the markets and yeah, knowing helped. exactly who to phone and yes. say, I need some windows. Yeah. Where'd you start? You knew uh, where to start. The customers were very helpful, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Manufacturers were very helpful. Yeah. One of the dreams, right? So it made it a lot yeah. easier. Mm. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So yeah, I live in Mingway. Um, Tonight. You mentioned art before, <clears throat> and one of the things I do want to talk to you about, because I've never yeah. had this conversation with you, even though I've known that you've yeah. exhibited in New York mm -hmm. and London. No, I'm not in London, no. no. Australia. Mm. Australia, sorry. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> your abstract paintings. <laughs> yeah. But I've never, uh, like I know that about you, but I've never had a conversation about uh, what? How do you <laughs> go about that and what the paintings? And mm -hmm. Tell me more. Um, my dad was an artist, okay. so and he could draw you like for like. So he, yeah, he was pretty talented. I am not that talented. Uh, I just like throwing, you know, paint on a uh, canvas, so mm -hmm. a little bit Jackson Pollock esque. Um, and yeah, I studied um, art at school, and just continued that on, um, and got into abstract painting and sold a few. And then I went over to New York in 2006 and exhibited um, at this exhibition called Primal Abstractions in Chelsea, and that was fun. And I sold two paintings to like a guy in Texas, Texan art dealer. <laughs> so that was an experience. Um, and yeah, I have done a couple of exhibitions in Australia as well, because I lived there for a few years. And mm. yeah, But no, it's more of a hobby for me. Yeah, and I haven't had time to paint um, because I've got my creative outlet in Chulo mm. at the moment, so that's kind of fulfilling that creative buzz. Yeah. Okay. Is that what you're going to be when you grow up? What, a painter? A painter. Yeah, well, you make no money from painting, let's face it. It's kind of like a, <laughs> it's a labor all, of love. It's an old <laughs> industry, but I just found yeah. it fascinating that you did uh, abstract art and got, you know, exhibited mm. and sold stuff and, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fun. It's, um, yeah, definitely something I like to do to keep me sane and just, yeah. Well, we all need those outlets. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What's your outlet, Tom? What's your creative outlet? That well, I get, I get really good creative fulfillment at work. Yeah, okay. um, and then I think like I'm always looking for other areas of inspiration, just trawling the net for that in terms of trying to re-look really at a problem. Mm -hmm. um, but then outside of that, I just love getting outdoors and yeah. getting my hands dirty or running around a football field or something like that. Like to me, that I need that to keep the grey matter in a good state. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And I, and I realised I missed that for a while actually, just okay. the team sport more than anything, like the camaraderie, mm. but also like I get a good competitive edge at work, but mm. it's not very primal. You can't run around and shout and <laughs> or your career's probably be quite short-lived <laughs> if you did. Um, and so on a sports field yeah. doing that, yeah, I do like that. Oh, football, eh? Yeah. yeah probably boy. The best game, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, fair one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, how did you find kind of uh, the kind of UK versus New Zealand uh, experience of working in the energy markets? Uh, kind of, it's a bit of a yeah. When, when I, I honestly, when I first came back yeah. to Wellington, I was like, 
oh man, like where is everyone? Like what have I done? Because in London, you're just exposed <laughs> to like global, amazing yeah. talent. Yeah. And then I, I was probably like, actually, now I'm just looking at this differently. Like there's loads of talent at Wellington. I just haven't mm. put myself out there and mm. gone and found them or started yeah. having a coffee. Or Why were people saying that? Why were people like, straight away, because I would oh, never say that I, Wellington is loose of talent. At a, ma- at a marketing perspective specifically they were talking about. Um, right, because it was all up in Auckland? Yeah, the, the assumption that, was that it was all right. Yeah, and so my, my, my reflection there was it's probably a too linear view of what talent could look like because to be oh, great, okay. I've hired amazing marketers that have never mm. worked in marketing before and had been lawyers and product developers and just worked in event management and things. And I'm like, yeah, but you can take a deeper understanding of people and make stuff happen with mm. that understanding. Sweet, let's get on with it. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, that was probably my take of the, right. my observation when people were saying that to me when I first yeah. got back. Because um, Wellington's an awesome place to be a marketer, right? And you've just got I think a so. really rich, like you've got rich, Stimulation, creative stimulation around you. Um, Yeah, there's that great poem. There's loads of poems, isn't there, on the waterfront, that poem Mm. walk that you can Mm. do. And there's one from Civic Square over to the the boat house bit. And there's that poem talking about Wellington as a verb, as an action city. And there's a line in there that nobody ends up in Wellington. You have to attempt to be here, something like that. Which I really like, and historically it would be. I suppose you couldn't really stumble across Wellington. You've mm. got to fight your way to New Zealand and end up there. And so we have then built a culture, maybe a legacy around people who are doers and actioneers and adventurers. Mm. I still think there's a legacy of that here. Um, that you can, there's an echo uh, in Wellington. How, however, I think it's becoming more and more political here, which I don't like. Mm. Um, you know, with the economic development agencies and some other p- players who are trying to, you know, control certain p- aspects of the market, and I'm just like, no, let let it run, let it be a little bit muddy, and you know, that kind of muddiness creates that convergence which you wouldn't have created in the past, and it's a bit messy, but it works. Mm. Cuba, Cuba Street's a perfect example of that. Yeah. If you look, walk out, and the new developments on Cuba Streets, you're mm. starting to see the encroachment of oh, the yeah. the high. Street the traditional high street, you're like, oh, you're losing a bit of the, the feeling. Yeah, I think so. I don't know how you feel about that a little mm. bit, but it looks pretty. But then, I don't mm. messy is sometimes good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love everything about Wellington. Yeah? Yeah. You'll be moving here soon? Yeah, I think so. It's yeah. good. Auckland yeah. be losing, yeah? Good excuse to build another house, right? <laughs> I live in Mangalai. That's not Auckland. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say, yes, you do say, I don't live in Auckland. Yeah. Yeah. Not, That's fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I do like Wellington. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the best city. places on the planet I've ever. How, what, how did you end up here? Why did you end up here? Uh, Good question. <laughs> I, I didn't intend to yeah. end up here. So, uh, I intended to end up in Christchurch. Mm. Um, oh, that's right. So, so, yeah, I moved to Christchurch when I emigrated. Um, and the backstory that very simply, I came over here in 2009 in New Zealand, I mean, and, and toured around. My brother was already here. He was living here. So I came out to visit him. I was running my own company at that time. And, um, it's like all to do with digital new media technologies and capability training, speaking on the subject, stuff like that. Uh, and I got a gig down in Christchurch speaking at a, com- a really large conference 
and that night I sat with the CEO of the company and we just tit it off and, and she had lived in Wales so we had that connection and we just kept in touch then they offered me a job and I was like oh, that's lovely but mm. I'm think so the the story was I was thinking about traveling they then offered me a, a job and I was like I don't know because I kind of got this business is doing well and employing like seven odd people and it was turning over six figures and I was having a laugh and I was traveling a lot and I just didn't know mm. but they made it interesting by um, highlighting the fact I could get like a migrant skilled migrant category visa which meant oh, I right. walked in with residency nice. which from my brother's experience I knew that was worth its weight in gold yeah, so I was like totally. okay that's a good package and then they were like oh we could maybe buy into your businesses and relaunch them here as well so it was like a really rich package so mm -hmm. I applied for residency at the end of 2010 their company was based HQ was in Christchurch I'd already visited Christchurch I found it as a, a pleasant place and I you know I was like okay let's do it and then February the 22nd mm. I think the earthquake hit yeah um, and then February the 29th, exactly a week later, I got the letter coming through the door saying, congratulations, here's your residency approval to move to Christchurch. And I was just like, wow. So I did anyway, mm. moved there um, oh in June 2011, so four months later, emigrated out. Um, and I spoke about this with Thomas, actually. Mm. I think it came up with the idea that it was a, quite a naive move from my perspective, it wrecked me a little bit, must admit, personally. Um, from a perspective of, I moved there, everybody was friendly as hell, but they had no, times in their life, no time in their life to make friends, because they mm -hmm. were already busy with so many other things. They were like Maslow hierarchy stuff, they were trying to deal with homes in their house, liquefaction in their mum's mm. um, garden and stuff like that. It was just like, of course, they were busy. Mm. Um, and I moved there June, end of June, Winter oh, hit in Christchurch as well. Dump yeah. of snow. I was stuff, stuck in this flat. It was really cold. Crap. Mm -hmm. With the two ends of the flats, which were munted because they had fallen down because of the quake. Oh, so I was living in the goodness. middle of it. I was like, what did I do? And like, it was one of those moments, what the hell have I done? And yeah, it kind of wrecked me a little bit mentally as well. Mm -hmm. Quite kind of low and blue down there. But they also had an office in Wellington to answer your question. Sorry about the mm -hmm. context because otherwise you wouldn't understand. But, so I moved to Wellington about a year later, um, still with the same, same company. And it was like, yes, I should have moved here first as mm. soon as I came here. And again, for mo lots of different reasons. Um, some of the reasons as well, which is why people don't like Wellington, which is the weather. Like I love weather. Mm. It makes you feel alive. It's, mm -hmm. I like seasonality in a day and mm. being from the South Wales Valleys, we get a lot of that. <laughs> that's good. It, it makes yeah. you feel alive and, and you know, wearing um, just the right clothes rather than wrong weather, all that. Mm. But uh, yeah, so I moved here in 2012 then and been here ever since. So it's coming up, nice. yes, eight years now. Yeah, it's a good fit. Mm. Yeah, and I like the Suits. little peculiarities of Wellington, like when you if you've got a meeting on the other side of town, you've got to leave 10 minutes earlier because you'll bump into someone you know mm. and you'll have a little, quick little chat, right? So those types of things happen in yeah. Wellington. It's, it's cute as a statement, but it's real. Mm. And it's really nice. And it feels like a village rather than a city. Mm. It's not a city. You've, been, you've lived in London. Yeah. You've been around New York and all these yeah. other places. It's, it's, it's very, very much a small town, yeah. I feel it. So that's why I came here. That's why I like it. 
yeah, it's a very cool place. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just quirky. It's mm. just, yeah. So you got a family now and you moved back. I know you had a family when you moved yeah, back. Yeah, no, uh, Charlotte was pregnant when we moved back. So that was a big, so I got offered the job with PowerShop when I was still in London. Oh, um, okay. And originally I was sort of at a, I was going to move into a different role with British Gas. Okay. Uh, and then we were of this discussion, well, actually, should we commit another five years to London? Like, mm. Mm. we've already been here six, what's another five years? Like, it'll go in <laughs> heartbeat type thing. Yeah. Um, and then Power so I, I sort of had sort of um the nard, and then Power Shop came back and said, nah, stop mucking around, like, make your mind up, just make a decision. <laughs> another time, like. Yeah. And, right but in the, yeah, but in that time, um, we'd found out that Charlotte, my wife, was pregnant, and so yep. then we'd gone, and I had always, really only wanted to come back to Wellington. Yeah, right, okay. Um, and so it was just a like, just perfect opportunity to come home. Where's Charlotte from? Um, she's from the South Island too, her family right. from in Canterbury. Um, and it's so, a br brilliant place to raise kids, right? Yeah, yeah. so, well, so yeah, my world, I mean, like Ella's almost four, so yeah, it's yeah, been, yeah, it's gone pretty quickly. And what about COVID for you guys? Because that's a, a regular discussion point, and I think it's important just to have had that discussion about because uh, we were chatting earlier about your impact on certain aspects of your work but um, how's COVID been for you? Um, I think it's challenging for most yeah. people you know um, for, from a business perspective it's been really good because my business is an online business so that's great but then you do get sick of your four walls you know um, I like to come down here to Wellington a lot because I have a great bunch of friends but I also have a lot of work you know down here as well and I've that's been a bit hard not to be able to come down every you know few weeks yeah. um, and Zach being at home while I'm mm. working as well got an 11 year old boy as you know um, and that's a challenge in itself because keeping them occupied so that they're not just on you know gaming all day long um, you've got to sort of help them um, you know do their education piece as well yeah. which is is quite just a juggling act yeah it's massive an yeah. ask for parents not just to be parents but also then to be teachers on top of that yeah definitely I mean, whilst doing the job and having the patience to do that too mm. it's quite yeah, it's quite hard at night. <laughs> Has he come to anything with you and where he's laid it down and you're like, oh, I totally forgot differential equations or whatever it is, you know? Have you have times. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because yeah. I can imagine if, yeah, some things that you suddenly reveal, like, I haven't got a clue about it. <laughs> and it's 11-year-old like stuff. It. And it's like, I don't know. I've slept since then since I've done this, you know? <laughs> so it must be hard. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, and it's just been a disruption to their life, like because kids mm. thrive on routine. So, of course, um, yeah. yeah, and and I think that Zach is a little bit anxious when he go. He went back to school. He had a bit of anxiety because he's back at school and it's the whole mm. COVID thing. And and you know how we have to wear masks now on the plane. And he's you know he's one of those kids. It's a little bit of a OCD, and he just everything has to be you know wear the masks, have to sanitize. You know, like mm. very very. Um, aware of it and yeah, yeah and quite scared yeah so it's just mad. managing that you know mm. yeah it's mad the kids are now having to be aware of stuff like mm. this that's strange yeah. think about that in. yeah it is really mad strange. how about you fella how was COVID due um, to you oh similar disruptions to home life I think probably like I've I've actually felt pretty 
privilege to be sitting mm -hmm. tucked away in this corner of the earth. And mm -hmm. yeah. Like, um, so a lot of family. My brother's still in the UK. He's a he's a applied mathematician. He's been working on contact tracing out of Is that Oxford right? Virginia. Okay. So he's right oh, wow. been right at the heart of it in the UK. Wow. And, um, it just seems really grim, like in other parts of the world. Mm. And like, I know people have had really tough experiences in New Zealand, but mm. I sit here going, actually, we're in quite a privileged spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Zoom calls with a four-year-old climbing all over me. Is when you're first. <laughs> oh, and I, look, I just said to my team, like <laughs> when we set out, I was like, look, it's going to be hard. So work the hours you need to yeah. work, and mm. we'll figure it out as we go. Mm. and just slow right down. I think that kind of forced pause to go actually, look, how am I going to muddle my way through mm. was good. So that enforced simplicity. Well, again, it comes back to culture there because I've heard some nasty stuff from in certain organisations where instead of slowing down, they're like, let's speed up now because you haven't got mm. distraction coming in and meetings. Now you can just crack on. Yeah. Yeah, and oh, as leadership, as culture, no, that's not empathetic, I don't think. No, so situation. one, being on meetings all day is just highly ineffective, right? Yeah. Mm. But then also, you, you don't you don't know what state everyone's in emotionally, and that's really yeah. hard without having a face-to-face, -face, trying to judge that over a phone call or a Zoom conference. Mm. Or like, mm. So I was quite mindful of that. And then mm. just checking with the team and get them to check in on others, because okay. I, I, yeah. I don't always have the best sense, but I know that if I'm talking to someone, they, they might... Uh, have an understanding of how their, one of their peers is and so yeah. check in that way as well. So you're keeping an eye collectively as well mm. as individually. Um, but again, come back to our culture that you could mm. do that and have that. Some organisations and companies don't, mm. Mm. but a lot of them don't actually. It's quite scary mm. how many people have struggled with this, not because of the the situation or the tech or anything like that, because those, those can be solved. It's just, oh, the culture just got wrecked because the leadership does the nine to five expectation. Mm. And like you just said, you know, the kids climbing over, it's like take an hour, you know, and, and do it later on if you can, and when yeah. they're in yeah. bed and it's not a rush, if that's what you need to do, it's it's fine, you know? Yeah. It's, a, it's an odd thing why people aren't embracing that attitude of mm -hmm. understanding. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's very frustrating. Um, how is the techni technology side? I know you've already built the company, it's already online, but for someone like you who have a... Oh, no, that was, was, yeah, we interact yeah. with our customers predominantly digitally yeah. or through telephony. Of course, yeah. hundred people in the call centre that mm. switched overnight to just managing from home, um, which awesome. just happened seamlessly. So yeah. that, that part of it, actually, in terms of just broader kind of um, business planning and things was relatively effortless and then we just mm. stood up other things like slack channels just for pure banter like all the stuff that you miss around the, right. um, the office, office and yeah. yeah like show me what your neighbors are up to or whatever <laughs> out like just yeah. silly stuff yeah. to i dropped the breakfast this morning here's a photo yeah. of the dogs going crazy you know stuff like that yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> is, that, that worked well gotta have that and that's another good thing about your culture and power shop i've always felt when i've gone there that there's a lot of human story and interaction about people there, and Realize there's a lot of personality exactly, yeah. there on on display, cool. whether it be yeah. a physical thing or dress thing or just even you know cub, cubby hole and yeah, yeah it's nice. and that oh, actually when I really reflect on all that, it's a trust thing, right? It's like mm. actually I'm nice. okay. I'm not going to hire you and then do your job for you. So I've mm. hired you because you're an exceptional talent or you bring something amazing to this business. Yeah. However you want to rock up. Mm. 
that's up to you. Don't break the law yeah. and get on and do a great job. <laughs> right? That's the only thing you've written down as they come on. Don't well, I mean, break the law, like, crack on. You, you've got okay. like a social media policy type thing, and it's like, yeah, well, of course. Just don't, like, don't yeah. troll. Yeah, yeah. spend all day on it. Please. Yeah, just you um, some stuff so the more you have to wrap people in policy, the more you're inadvertently yeah. just saying to them, hey, I don't really trust you. Like, here's yeah, it. That's and true. So, mm. look, you've got good sound moral judgment, then great. We'll get on well. <laughs> but you, you do realise how unusual that is. Not unusual, maybe that's the wrong thing. How, how kind of, that, that, that's not everywhere. No, it's no. definitely not maybe everywhere. Maybe that's a better way of saying okay. it. And I think the other thing is, like, as powerful employees, a lot of us are very well aware of how good we've got it. So mm. that's it. And that comes mm. back to the trust. So don't mess it up for others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Because, you know, even lately in, in the news, you know, we've had some big organisations here in Wellington, you know, coming under scrutiny with some of their internal culture practices and things. Mm. And it does seem that too much trust was given and too much thing. But again, it comes back to, you know, hiring the right people. Like, how do you go about that? There's quite, how do you hire the I, right I'm, people? I'm always looking. I'm always looking. Yeah. Just keeping my eye on talent and mm. movement and where they are. But then we follow just traditional hiring, put out a job yeah. ad and things like that. Um, but then do you encourage other people then and show the tap and say, I really think you should apply for this because um, I think it's a good fit? Or? Yes and no. Depends on yeah. the role. Depends on the individual. Mm. Like, um, yeah. Okay. That's, uh, and also, like, I know from... Like, even in the UK, I know the people I'd love to get out to New Zealand. Like, <laughs> either Kiwis that are still over there mm. or Brits. Right. And I'm like, you would do an amazing job in this market or mm. in certain brands here. Let so, me know when you touch down. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much, right? So uh, it's like, because mm. it's relationships at the end of the day. Right? Mm. So, but that's a, that's a role of a leader as well, isn't it? It's always been attentive to try and build out that talent group, but also trusting them and which I, I get a lot from you, by the way, you know, although you're my boss, you're also, well, you hire me, right? <laughs> I like I've never so felt like that. <laughs> but it's never felt like that. It's a no, collaborative kind of, okay, yeah. over to you. Half yeah. of the reason is because you don't want to be on this side of the camera as well. Uh, you rather, like, just... No, it's no, because you're talented. No, bless you. But it's like, yeah. go for it. And it's that, that accent. He's got a great accent. Yeah. Well, I can't get rid of it. Thank also, you. Vision uh, is a global company. Ah, yeah, that's beautiful why. Accent. Thank you. <laughs> I now get it. It was only my voice that you have to thank. Oh, you. and your lovely face. Oh, my yeah. face. Yeah. But it is. It's finding our talent and trying to put the, the jigsaw pieces together. And you know, I've failed in the past for doing that, you know, hiring wrong people and mm. or trusting wrong people. But it's it is a process you go through. Um, and and the talent pool is smaller here, so I think that's why I was trying to push you in like how you go about it. Mm. Is, but it seems like you have a very active, um, ongoing role to keep an eye out for things. Yeah, and also acknowledge what opportunity looks like for my existing team because I want mm. them to go right. into bigger and better as well. Okay, yeah, so that internal promotion yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Does that kind of sometimes draw a little bit of a confused eye from maybe other leaders in the organisation going, "Why are you letting that person go?" They, or why are you? Uh, I hope I hope not. Right. No. Um, Again, it sounds like the culture there is really kind of right, mm. you know. Mm. Um, you can promote from within, I think that's really cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So what are you guys uh, focused on in the next kind of year or so, This not year, because we're like <laughs> 2020, that's going to be a terrible thing. Yeah. What 
ask you the question. To the end of 2020, what are you hopeful for? What are you trying to get as much hopeful things out of the rest of 2020? What are you hopeful for, man? Um, at a business level, at a personal level, Both. at just life. At in life. life. Uh, I've got... I've got six months until I turn 40, so there's all these invites. Okay. Like, now you're a baby. <laughs> let's do this multi-sport event. Let's do this. And we've had 20 years to enter them, and we've never decided <laughs> So uh, I've just, the, before we came in here, mm -hmm. said to a PT, right, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm going to properly get fit. Uh, okay. Which, because more than anything, more just for my own mental health and resilience mm -hmm. and things like that, to be able to run around it. Yeah. 100 miles an hour, yeah. I need to keep that in, in, in a good space. Um, and then at a work level, look, we've got some fun stuff on the go. Mm. Um, and so I really want to see some of that, see the light of the day and, yeah. and hit the market. Um, mm. There's always going to be more you can do in that space. And, yeah. um, and then, yeah, that's probably kind of the, the two things. There's no nothing drastically changed. That's, that's good enough, yeah. by the way. Don't feel like you're you know, punching too low. That's two big things, you know? And I think a lot of people today as well are just trying to get the end of year. Yeah. And that's it. They will be happy to see the end of the year, yeah. let alone starting to become doing an Iron Man or whatever you're thinking about doing oh, before you're 40. Don't be ridiculous. Go on, dude. I'm not doing that. Just yeah, you just getting fit for the sake of getting fit. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. thought you were, you know... Yeah, you haven't got a list of 40 things to do before you're 40. No, no way. I only bring that up because i got a 50 before 50 list. Have you? I'm nearly done, DK. I'm not any yet. Yeah. And it is. It's literally in the, the beginning of my book. i got a 50 before 50 yeah. list. And uh, these are 50 things I want to do before I'm 50. Good on you. So when you turn 40, maybe get a 50 before 50. Yeah, yeah. Six months time. Okay. What about you? 2020, there's four months left. No, three months left. No, mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So with work stuff, I think just making the next lot of Chulo Talk events just yeah superb and growing the the audience you know in Australia and America, mm. the US, and then personal, um, just really spending more time with my awesome group of friends and stuff. And um, we're going to the Great Barrier Island for Christmas, my Wellingtonian friends and and Zach and I, and I'm. Great Barrier Island is somewhere that we go, Zach and I go every year. So I'm really excited to take my Wellingtonian peeps to Great Barrier Island so they can experience the untouched paradise that it where is. Where is that? I, I, I've heard of it, but I don't know where it is. It's a okay. secret location. It's a secret 20, thing. 25 minutes on a plane from Auckland Airport. Is that right? Yeah, on the okay. Haraki Gulf, you know. Uh -huh. And then um, if you want to go by ferry, it takes you four and a half hours on choppy waters, so yeah. So which do you prefer? Uh, flying. Flying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. So we uh, get the get the British bulldog in the plane with Zach and, and little Jacks now as well, and we fly oh, yeah. over on a, a tiny little ten person plane to Great Barrier. So the dogs Island. go with you as well. They go with us. Yep. Every year we go okay. there. My family has some land over there in Trifina, okay. and yeah. Well, I've got a little batch there, and. Well, actually, it's just a, um, a two caravan kind of set up with a yeah, yeah shower it's and bathroom. Good to have that tradition, right? Yeah. And overlooking Trifina Harbour, it's just okay. magic. 
how many people live? Is it a permanent? Uh, do they have a permanent uh, population? Wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and there's no power on the island. It's all generator. There's no um, very little reception in lots of areas. So yeah, it's quite laid back. How does Zach survive without his thumbs? Oh, he loves it because we go okay. fishing, we go kayaking, we're swimming. Cool. We're, it's very outdoorsy, which is what we like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's we always cool. go there for like a good couple of weeks at Christmas. You see dolphins, you know, just Annoying. swimming in the harbour. Yeah, it's just it's just gorgeous. It's pristine. Best surf beaches over there too, if you like surfing. Yeah, surfing and great well. hikes and stuff, mm -hmm. you know. It's, it's really cool. How big is the island then? If there's only 750 people, I'm thinking like a really small thing. Yeah, it's not very big. No, it's no. not very big. Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's good you to have, have to go there one day. Yeah, it's, it's good to have really these things, beautiful. you know, throughout the thinking mm. about the year and how to close well, the year. Well, that's my year looking forward to, you know, something to look forward to at the end of the year. Are they still flying there, by the way? Yeah. yeah. But, right. How has COVID yeah. been there for 750 people? It's been fine. Probably. Yeah, I, I think they've been fine. Yeah. But the tourism side of it, not so great. Of yeah. course, yeah. Yeah, because they, obviously, the people over there survive, you know, that's how they survive. The businesses survive on tourists coming. Mm. So yeah. they've been hit pretty hard. Yeah, yeah. So we'll go there and we'll drink at their pubs, we'll eat at their restaurants and we'll, you know, help the economy. Like, yeah. I thought there's no power on the island. Do they Generator. Have... Wow, they all run from generators? Yep. There we go. Maybe mm. power shops should look into setting up <laughs> a subsidiary <laughs> thing in Great Britain as a, a sub sustainable experiment. Set up windmills and both solar and wind turbines. And yeah. yeah. Okay. Have you right. been there? I've never been to Great Barrier. No. Well, you I'd like the outdoors, there. right? Yeah, you yeah, would. Love, yeah. You would love it. I've um, yeah. heard of it though. Yeah, of course. I've okay. seen. Uh, yeah, yeah, no friends um, have been there on honeymoons and all sorts of things and gone yeah. big on holidays. It looks stunning. Yeah. It is it stunning. Really there's some great walks. Like there's this walk up Mount Hobson, um, and it's just yeah. It's pristine like you go for like six hours up 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 and you've got mm. a view all over like the harbour and it's just stunning oh, that's sound good yeah yeah a bit yeah. of a tramp if you could go anywhere in the world at the moment when the restrictions are gone where would you go oh, man. Mm, that's a tough one actually i've always wanted to go to um anfield Stadium and watch a game of uh, in Liverpool. Liverpool, yeah. Okay. Not Didn't so much to that. go to Liverpool to see Liverpool, but just to uh -huh. go watch Liverpool play at Anfield. It's a good little city, Liverpool. Yeah, it's fun. Mm. Yeah, so, well, yeah, it's an awesome yeah. city. Yeah. yeah. So I would like to go there. I didn't expect that. Was that mm. because he loves Liverpool as well? So, of course. Yeah, big Steven Gerrard fan. So even uh. though he's not with Liverpool anymore, but uh, yeah. Okay, is he retired? Or is he yeah, playing? I think someone? he's gone to. No, the he, coach, he coaches he Rangers coach. in Scotland. Mm. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Live and learn. Yeah. How about you? Where would you go if you could uh, just oh, go? Got that free oh, ticket anyway? I'd be torn between um, going and seeing some family and friends in the UK. Nice. And my brother, obviously, is over there, so I wouldn't mm. want to hang out with him. But um, southern Argentina, I'd like, yeah, down in Patagonia. and just go for it. Good oh, choice. Yeah. <laughs> amazing part of, amazing part of the world. And, yeah. yeah, just get away. No, Have so you been there before or would it yeah, be a I've return lived, trip? Yeah, I down there when I was Of course, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah, so <laughs> I'd go remember. back and see people I live with down there tucked at the base of the Andes and just... Totally forgot oh, that. Wow. Yeah. Because when Gus turned up and you were both speaking, yeah. 
um, Spanish and she was like, what's going on? Yeah. And you were like, oh, I'm, I'm relearning my Spanish. I used to be able to speak this. Hold on. And then back into it. Yeah. It's so, an amazing place, amazing people. Yeah. Great food, just in the landscape. It's just so, like, next level scale in terms of right. big. Yeah. Um, That'd be good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. South America's on the list because I've only got two continents left, South America and Antarctica. Mm. Got to get in the big white, right, somehow. Um, yeah. There you go, TED, yeah, TEDx cool. event down there. Okay. Yeah. There was one. <laughs> was it, yeah? Yeah, oh, really? so my mates did a TEDx Scott base. Mm. I think it was Trent part of that. Trent was part of that, that. you're right. So mm. Trent and Kyla, a couple of other friends who were TEDx license holders here in Queenstown. Uh, Kyla got the license to run it at Scott Base, which is obviously the New Zealand so cool. bit of mm. Antarctic. Um, and they had a hell of a time to make it happen. Mm. So they flew people in, but they only had a certain amount of things they could fly in as well in terms of tech and equipment. And as you can appreciate, they don't have a lot of room down there because it's a research base, so they don't have any amphitheaters or anywhere. So they had to set up like a room and had this like small little space, but they set up the cameras and they recorded it, then they streamed it as a streaming offer, but That's they did cool. it several times. Yeah. So depending on where you were in the world, you could drop in and watch this small event because it was, I think only, a, yeah, say that, it was eight speakers, I think. But what a, Beautiful. wow, yeah. to be able to do it. I was joking with my friend Trent because he was telling me all about it. Mm. And I was like, oh, it'd be horrible if you fell over and hurt your knee and couldn't be able to go. And I was like trying to trip him up. Uh, just because like, I, you know, nobody asked oh, yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, I'd be there to help oh, you. You would too. be perfect. I know, but what, what an experience. So there has been a TEDx in Antarctica, but just one. That's Maybe so we'll cool. look at something else mm. there. We've been talking with a couple of mates doing like TEDx on like a plane or mm. a train or a ferry <laughs> and some other things mm. and stuff. But why does it have to be a TEDx? You can do anything. Yeah. You know, just do an event and stuff. And, mm. But nowadays, I think there's not an appetite for events at the moment. Mm. Just coming out of level two and, you know, from up yeah, north. A couple of months, I think there will be a hunger again. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we need that people interaction and stuff. Eh? Yeah. Hey, you, you never mm. told us what you're going to do between now and year end. Oh, yeah. Good point. Just get there, you know. <laughs> it feel like a slog this year. Mm. Yeah. And like you and probably your good self as mm. well, friends and family overseas, it just feels that constant anxiety. Mm. Um, so it did feel like, yeah, this year has been a really peculiar year. And I did, yeah, we've been kind of working on different things to do with like uh, the event down in Queenstown. Um, uh, but that I think will be postponed till next March now. By the time this comes out, that will be public. So that's fine. I can say that here now. It's not public yet, so don't go tweeting it. Um, and just yeah, a couple more events with you because mm -hmm. I really enjoy them and the podcast yeah. side. And then I got a couple of internal events with some people. You know, some master classes that I do. So from a work perspective, I just got a couple of things lined up to take take me over. However, as a freelancer. And you, you'll know this, just mm. in, in the world of work in Kiwiland, come December, boom, everything just shuts, shuts down. down. And then yeah. it doesn't open up till mid, late January. So I've got, I'm trying to figure out what, I do, what I'm doing. And I don't know what to do. Yeah. Great Barrier Great Island. Great Barrier, maybe. Wellingtonian yeah. peeps. 
Went on and paid. Yeah. I think I struggle without my interwebs. You will still have that. There is reception there. I was just you just said you. it's not It's just that it's good for the kids. You tell them that there's none, mm. so they are oh, forced okay. to do active Clever. stuff. Yes. Like there's Santa. It's a little white line. That's right. Um, you want them to get outdoors and be active. Makes sense. Yeah. Definitely, and I agree with you that. You can stay inside and move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can all, well, I, again, I was thinking about where can you go for a month nowadays and just chill out and. South Island maybe is a good spot yeah. to end up in and, and mm. just do something. So yeah, I'm, I am, sorry, not looking to do much, but get the end of the year with a bit of health and happiness and I'll be very happy with that and mm -hmm. hope for actually more health and happiness from my family and friends overseas rather than me, yeah. to be honest, because like you said, we're privileged here. Mm. I'm very grateful for that. We recognise it. That's why I really love about New Zealand at the moment, really recognising our our wonderfulness, what we've got, what we've done. Keep coming back, that team of five million, mm -hmm. generosity and kindness that we have here. Yeah. It is nice, very evident. It's really cool. Yeah. It is cool. It is. <laughs> ah, so how are we feeling? Was Good. That, was that a nice chat? Are you still like scared about all this? No, no, not at all. No, did we no. cover off everything? You think, yeah. did we miss anything out? Like, <laughs> I, had, I had no preconceived idea. Yeah, good. So yeah. Like, oh. It's the best way, just turn up and have a chat. <clears throat> yeah. And just, uh, draw. yeah, it was yeah. fun. It was interesting to yeah. learn more about you. Yeah. It's always fun, yeah. yeah. You just never know where the conversation's going to mm -hmm. go. But thank yeah. you for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to episode 9 of Creative Wally, brought to you by me, DK. Also, the video podcast produced by John O'Tucker over at Empire Films. We like that human. He's a good lad. And also, Alex Matthews from X Equals, who hosts us, where we actually create and film the video podcast. Please check that out at creativewelly.com. We'll be back very soon, probably in two weeks, as per usual. Stay safe and stay sane, and keep having courageous conversations with good humans.